0: Hey everyone, this is Patrick with the 307 RPG Podcast, and I just want to take a moment and say thank you to all of our amazing patrons. It's because of you that we're able to do the things that we do. If you like our show and you want to support us, you can find us on patreon.com slash theforgeherald. Thanks everyone. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everybody and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. Nolan, I don't think I've seen you except for this
1: screen in two weeks. How are you? Doing well. Uh, ready, not necessarily ready to be back to work, but ready to be out. I think.
0: I could I could I echo that. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I think that's that's kind of the goal for me. Of like uh I, I was able to go out this morning and go to the store and, and making the awkward conversation with the checkout lady and that kind of stuff is always oh yeah, I forgot how to play nice and chuckle and laugh and not be. Yeah, just, you haven't had to be nice be, at all, have you? Yeah. <laughs> horrible it's terrible
0: just to your kids and even then it's just occasionally
1: (laughs) yeah how's the family doing good good we got through halloween uh more or less and that was that's been about it i mean it's good not super exciting around here uh just playing a little bit of games i did actually pick up borderlands 3 on pc it was finally on sale my little brother plays on there and i was like okay this will give us a chance to play but i i didn't realize the graphics could be that good i think is an interesting thing especially for it because it's a cartoon-based game it's very animated it's very that style and it looks amazing uh the loading times are amazing i mean there's just so many different quality things of life that i was i'm I'm willing to uh, start making the shift over to just pc i think Really. So, We'll see. I, I, you know, PlayStation Five is coming out. Xbox is coming out, but yeah, this was kind of one of those games. Where like, well, I still have to have my shooters on Xbox, and I don't think that's the case anymore because it was just smooth. It feels weird shooting with a mouse and that kind of stuff versus the controller. But, but you can but hook I, the controller up, can't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm a. I can do that as well. So I'm, I'm trying to uh, learn to shoot that way because there's, you know, Overwatch with a mouse and keyboard, and and so many other games are. So, but it was. It was it's shockingly pretty, uh, and I didn't think that's possible even with like a you know low graphics air quotes game. I mean, I don't know, it's not like a, a a real engine style. you know, you need the mother load of all computers to run, but it's pretty awesome.
0: That's excellent. Um, I have done zero gaming except for a little bit of Diablo here and there. A lot of it has just been um feeling exhausted. Uh, As we talked about last week, you know, Nolan and I have both been in quarantine. He, because he was exposed to me, me, because I tested positive for COVID. It has been a very trying time for both of us, him just because he's healthy and stuck at home i'm so glad that you're healthy and me because well i've been fighting this freaking virus for the last two weeks and it's not pleasant we don't need to go into a whole lot of detail except to say that it is made it so where it's difficult for me to focus on anything um like i said i've played diablo a little bit which is about the only thing i've noticed that i have the time to sit down and do i have i guess i have played a little bit of madden uh but nothing like i used to play uh of course i'm obviously waiting for cyberpunk to come out we'll get to that in a little bit <laughs>
1: <laughs> forever to live.
0: excuse me okay so let's let's jump into it so our topic of the night is going to be yugman's guide to gelspad for Lands. Uh we're specifically focusing on part 3 of that and we'll get into what yugman's Ye- guide to gelspad is here in just a little bit because we do actually have some news to dive into so let's head over to wizards of the coast specifically dungeons and dragons Uh, Wizards of the Cust recently announced the delay of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything to, and I want to specify this, non-U.S. markets. So those of you who are in the U.S., the physical copy of the book will still be available to you on November 17th. Uh, Wizards has specifically cited covid as a reason for shipping delays to non or non-North American markets. Now, specifically, they're saying it's going to be Europe and Asia. Now, if you've been following the news, if you keep an eye on what's going on, COVID is definitely rearing its head all over Europe and Asia again. Um, in fact, I know that Great Britain has specifically talked about doing another lockdown because it is going so poorly there. So it makes sense that this is happening. Um it is, however, important to remember that digital versions of this book will be available on release day. So November 17th, if you're in a non-US market, you can still get the digital copy of the book. And so that is something to keep in mind. So if you did pre-order it, Nolan, you got it on D&D Beyond, didn't you? Um,
1: yes, I think I, no, I haven't pre-ordered it yet because it wasn't out yet.
0: Okay. I know they've announced that the pre-order is available now. So if that is something you're interested in doing, then there you go. Um. So it, the book will be will be available or should be available, I should say, December 1st. Um, this is obviously about two-week delay versus uh, the November 17th deadline. So if you have uh, purchased the book, the physical copy of the book, just keep in mind if you're in the non-North American market, you are going to get hit with the delay. Uh, I do think it's fascinating um, that... This is clearly a highly anticipated book, as it's already hit number six in the sci-fi fantasy section on Amazon and number thirteen for all books ahead of its release. Obviously, people are excited about this book.
1: I think that's been kind of the biggest thing of just the the character options. Is a lot of people have been looking forward to um, more freedom, I guess, to build classes and race combinations, build and substitute stats around a little bit to make make things maybe i don't know easier to play uh so you can play what you want not the best combination
0: right and and i do think you know i think with xanathars we saw there was a lot of excitement for it but 5e was still really gaining a lot of momentum at that point and hadn't hit and i don't even know that it's hit its peak yet but it hadn't quite hit its peak and so, I don't think we had the anticipation or the excitement for it um, for people who hadn't been brought into, if you will, the DD fold. I know, like, you and I, and even Cody, were very excited about Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Um, there was specifically, well, Hexblade was in Xanathar's. And I remember you just about came uncorked when you saw that.
1: Well, I think it was a lot of, it had a little bit to do with class uh, at the base with, like, race and skills um and it was just the first time we had gotten a bunch of subclasses opening it up um this time around i, th- I think this is going to hit um where i think uh, uh, maybe this book and maybe one more like it i'll be at a point where i no longer need to multi-class i can finally pick the feat that i want i can i can poach this from this class and bring it in and make the class i want in the rogue or in the paladin or whatever so um, I think that's where a lot of the excitement is uh, for a lot of people, at least for me anyway. I mean, that's just right. It, more I, character I options. Talking,
0: right. right. Character options are always, always a good thing. So let's talk about character options because we finally have a new UA, which I think shocked both of us.
1: Yeah, I thought so, maybe we'd be done uh, for a little bit, but so I think... It, uh, I, I, wanted,
0: I wanted to mention, um, because you and I kind of talked about this one earlier uh, in the week, uh, we were both trying to figure out where they're going next, which is always exciting. We do this a lot. We we see the new UAs and we're like, huh, I wonder what we're looking at next. So I was listening to uh, the Bite Size Gaming Podcast. And I want to say it was Troy on there who was saying that um, somebody he had talked to who actually has some knowledge of of what's going on with Wizards of the Coast and D&D specifically. He didn't give any names. And and if I'm quoting this wrong, guys at Bite Size, you can definitely correct me here. But... Dragonlance is definitely coming, and it's supposed to be one of the first books that we see in this new three settings that they're they're talking about. And I really have to wonder if this is looking towards Dragonlance.
1: I know it was interesting, and, and we were talking about finding news and stuff like that. Um, we had talked about Dragonlance wanting to come. They were uh, the people, the Dragonlance authors, sued Dungeons & Dragons publishers um they had developed a book they had the next part and basically wrapping up the series um and he said she said type situation basically wizards called and said you're done with this here it's our license right. we're making it not you and so a 10 million dollar uh lawsuit later uh, we'll see what happens but
0: yeah, that being Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman specifically.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounded like they had uh uh the first book done or at least in manuscript form. Uh they've been working on it and for whatever reason, uh I I don't know, you know, without actually being, you know, in the room where it happened to sure. quote Hamilton. <laughs> they uh Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, let's dive into this UA because I know this is something you like to do. So, tell us about what we're getting in subclasses part five.
1: Yeah, uh, so this time around, it looks like we are getting kind of in theme of maybe Dragonlance. Uh, it is dragon themed. Uh, we get a monk and a ranger. Uh, w- monk is way of the ascendant dragon, and ranger is a drake warden. Um, I, you know, I, I think this is kind of one of the neat things with. Uh, having dragons be around be powerful, be a part of it. I'm surprised that we haven't seen more outside of just what dragon sorcerer. Um, but so way of the ascendant dragon monks who follow the way of the ascended dragon revere the power and grandeur of dragons. They alter their own key to resonate with draconic might channeling it to augment their prowess in battle, soar through the air and bolster their allies. You know, in, in 3.5, I think it was, uh, there was a Dragon Disciple uh, subclass that you could take for a prestige class. And it was one of those things of you, the, the blood of the dragon starts to manifest outwards. You, you, know, you grew the scales, you grew the wings. Um, but a lot of it played really well with a monk because all of a sudden you could start to claw and rip and tear and, and do that kind of stuff. So I, I think this kind of goes in that theme Uh, Third level, when you choose this here you gain the following benefits. When you damage a target with an unarmed strike, you can change the damage type to Acid, Cold, Fire, or Lightning, depending on which dragon you choose to emulate. If you can't already, you learn to speak, read, and write Draconic. If you fail a Charisma Intimidation or Charisma Persuasion check, you can use your reaction to reroll the check as you tap into the mighty presence of the dragon. Once this feature turns a failure into a success, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. So you know a nice little advantage reroll type situation the other thing you get at third level is you can channel your key into destructive waves of energy like the dragon you emulate when you take the attack action on your turn you can replace one of the attacks uh with an exhalation of draconic energy in either a 20-foot cone or a 30-foot line your choice choose a damage type acid cold fire lightning or poison each creature in the area must make a dexterity saving throw um at 11th level increase to three rolls of your martial arts die you can use this feature a number of times equal to proficiency proficiency bonus and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest and this here is something we're seeing a lot with the spoilers of tasha's is a lot of this stuff is based now around proficiency bonus uh which i think is a good way to Of, uh, you're already kind of short on key which I think is really cool. So as a monk, um, this here is an, uh, your class ability is not tapping into that resource. And so now I don't have to choose to Flurry of Blows or breathe like a dragon. It keeps them separate and allows your uh, your proficiency stuff to go a little bit further. I like that once you have no more uses of this, you can spend a key point to bring this feature back. So it actually costs you something almost, almost in line with the sorcerer points. Um, where they can give up a spell slot to gain some sorcerer points to modify it and kind of that back and forth. So we're, we're seeing this a lot with the, the UAs and we're seeing this a lot with Toshas now. I know like uh, Bladesinger used to be two times per short rest. Now it is your proficiency bonus per long rest is how many times you can Blade sing. So at level one, it's a pretty, pretty big nerf because you were, uh, you know, two times per short rest means you were doing it two, four to six times a day. Um, and now it's only two times per long rest. Eventually get to a point where you probably won't use them all a day, but we're we're seeing that more and more of plan on that proficiency bonus per uses so that way you can have your class ability not interfere with uh your resources and 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 that will help with some of the balancing I think as well
0: speaking of balancing i found it interesting that a couple things here that where I think wording is going to be very specific here um because it does say. Uh, you channel your key into destructive ways of energies like the dragons, plural you emulate. And, and of course you get the choice of a 20 foot cone or a 30 foot line that is five foot wide, which is interesting that you can choose that. And then you, you can choose if I'm reading this correctly, which damage type it's going to be. It doesn't always yeah. have to be the same thing, which I think it's fascinating. Cause if you, if you f- deliberately follow say a blue dragon, obviously you're going to be spitting lightning, but Because, I mean, if you look
1: at, oh, well, I I, I think that the idea behind this one here, so, you know, I think, like I said, we're used to sorcerers being it's in their blood and it's a descendant or, you know, something like that. This here, I mean, it says monks who follow the way of the Ascended Dragon revere the power and grandeur of dragons. And I don't think that's one of those things of I admire the ferocity and violence of a red one when it comes to defending something or the, the benevolence and ways of helping people of a silver, one. you know what I mean? So it's more of, it it reminds me of the elements monk in the the essence of elements and harmony and the avatar. Now it's all dragons, you know, it's, it's, it's them. And there's aspects where you need all of it. Um,
0: So when I look at the, and of course this is just ideas, the Ascended Dragon Origins table, Uh, and again this is I I specifically want to, or I want to emphasize, this is just an idea. You don't have to use these, but they do specify in here. So like on a on a roll of a d6, you can choose your Ascended Dragon Origin. So like number one, it says you're you've honed your abilities by observing a dragon. It doesn't say you're observing all dragons it says a dragon so does this mean i mean obviously it does but you observe a green dragon suddenly you know how to use the the acid of a black dragon and the answer is yes
1: yeah and i and i think that's uh I, like i said i i think that giving that freedom of it helps a lot um and sure. i would rather do this of uh than like a four elements monk i think already because of the four elements again you know, if you could use those abilities, you know, if you could do water whip a number of times to your proficiency and it didn't cost you key, you don't feel like you're sacrificing your class ability. Um, right. Yeah, and, it, and it, it, it is very weird because it is like you were saying in the origins, a dragon personally took an active role in shaping your inner energy. And then you look at the last one, you found a scroll written in draconic that contains inspiring new techniques, which could be all dragons at that point um -hmm. and then the sixth one a dream that featured a five-headed dragonborn uh five-handed dragonborn you woke altered key reflecting the breasts of the dragons uh it's like okay so now is there like a tiamat theme or whatever you know so you could go dark with it you could go light with it
0: yeah, and uh, I and, and I'm I, I don't want you to think I'm complaining. I just thought it was interesting yeah, no. because some of those are like you observed one dragon, but suddenly you know how to do all these things. And I and I do think it's fascinating, and I do think you're right, it is probably an option thing. I mean, we saw with the draconic sorcerer uh who was uh specifically fire was a red dragon, and she was limited when she was put in situations where she couldn't use her prime abilities. So this really gives you some flexibility. So
1: yeah. Nope, totally agree. It uh, looks like all you right, get so uh, uh, some, some... Yeah, just and, and usually I look at these things and just kind of go up to third level just because that's what you get early. It impacts you early. Uh, sixth level, you get wings when you use your step of the wind, uh, which is kind of fun. That that makes uh, a little extra mobility if now all of a sudden you're flying around. Again, you can use this feature a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. Uh, so it's, it would take a key and one of these, but again, it's another another feature that's not tied to specifically key Uh, 11th level the power of your dragon key now radiates from you protecting your allies from harm and punishing any who raise arms against them as a bonus action you can create an aura of draconic power that radiates 30 feet from you for one minute choose acid cold fire lightning or poison damage for the duration you gain the following effects Uh, you and your allies in the aura gain resistance Uh, waves of draconic energy flow out from you and your allies, when any of you are attacked, when you or one of your allies in the aura is hit by an attack made by another creature within the aura, the target that was hit causes uh, can use their reaction to the amount of damage uh, of the chosen type equal to one roll of your martial arts attacker or your die, which is interesting. Uh, again, once you use this bonus action, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest unless you expend key to use it again. So kind of a, a paladin aura thing, which is kind of cool. Um, I, it's interesting to see that go to allies. I don't know if there's been a lot of monk abilities that have aided others, which is kind of cool. Um, so, it's yeah. I I think it's cool. I, I like the theme. A dragon monk. um You know, I think martial arts is one of those ones that I've always said. I can't believe there's not more MMOs, just because there's so many styles and weapons and, and that kind of stuff there that you can make a lot of classes based around that. So way of the dragon i mean why not you know so at of course
0: 17th level i mean how many people are actually going to get to 17th level
1: right when we Unless look at it uh, yeah <laughs> maybe a one shot yeah i i do like that you fully kind of become the dragon you gain blindsight out to 30 feet which is very draconic in nature when you damage a creature with your breath of the dragon the energy clings to the target at the start of that turn that target creature's turn takes damage equal to your breath uh, equal to one roll martial arts die Um, At the end of its turn it can repeat a saving throw ending it on there Uh, When you activate your aspect of the worm draconic fury explodes from you choose any number of creatures You could see within your aura those creatures take 40 10 acid cold fire lightning uh, Or poison your choice. So I, I like the idea here that so basically at 17th level you get blindsight which is pretty good uh, not the best for 17th level but the idea that it's altering what you've already gotten and making them better i think kind of ties it around brings it home which is good i feel like i feel like a lot of times we end up getting hey remember that ability you got at third level that you used to use and now you got an 11th level ability that doesn't do anything uh with your third level ability and now you get you know i think things can get lost along the line and having it become your your old abilities now get amped up. It's pretty cool.
0: There's some interesting stuff. Um, I don't know that it's interesting enough that I would play it. Uh, of course, I haven't really played a whole lot of monk. I think I played w- a monk once in a one shot. I right. I like the martial arts aspect of it. Uh, of course, with my background in it, um, I I don't know. It, it's it's interesting. I, I I'll give it that. I'd like to see it in practice.
1: Yeah. I I think there are those opportunities to uh, augment, you know, if you know, not not anything really takes critical damage from elements anymore. So that's kind of an interesting thing there of, you know, with a monk, your fists become magical bludgeoning weapons that usually overcomes anything. So changing it to acid, cold fire or lightning. uh, I mean, I suppose if you found something that was weak to it it could be really good, but
0: yeah i, I don't you know make it swear that that would be magical though
1: well these these would be but i'm just saying like you know a, a magic weapon kind of equals fire damage kind of equals whereas what was it skeletons used to take extra damage from like bludgeoning and radiant um like they were what vulnerabilities i think is what they were called so um the the dragon breath is cool yeah,
0: yeah. i think the dragon breath is cool actually i think the part that i like I don't know that I thought was interesting anyway is the last of the aspect of the worm, uh, where the draconic fury explodes from you and you get 40-10 points of acid or well, damage of your choice. Uh that just seems like an interesting little um I don't know. I I, th- I think about like uh gosh, let me do what am I trying to say? You see these big events like uh take uh in uh, Return of the King when um when the tower collapses and they finally throw the ring into the fires of Mount Doom and you see that explosion of power wash out. I always thought I, I like stuff like that. I think it's fascinating. So seeing that kind of ability that, you know, it's like boom, you activate it and this whoosh of of power radiates from you and and kind of smacks your your enemies in the face.
1: You know, I think for me the big thing on there is uh the dragon breath and then that uh, aspect also gives monks aoe and they don't have that you know and so where it doesn't interfere you know they're they're quick they're mobile they can get into position use your key to set up a spot where you can get that breath and hit four or five you know you just give your monk burning hands for free a few times a day it you know and it takes away one attack so at fifth level you could you know run in punch something take the attack action uh replace one of these with breath of the dragon and then use a key point to flurry of blows so you would still get three attacks and an aoe or disengage and step out use your step of wind you pop dragon wings and you fly back 30 feet or uh use your step of the wind fly above and drop a cone down on somebody and then land you know I, i think that the mobility with this could be pretty interesting um But like you said you know is it as cool as a shadow monk teleporting around the field or whatever so again who knows a dragonborn monk with this you know who you know is one of those things of you know maybe it is a red you know dragonborn style thing of knows only tiamat and becomes our champion could be a pretty cool bad guy um or play against type of well i have all these powers but it is you know how you use your powers not where they come from is what's bad so
0: Right. All right. So
1: okay. tell us about the <laughs> Ranger. So, Drake Wardens are rangers who use their magical connection with nature to form an enduring bond with a minor dragon, a Drake. This bond allows the Ranger to summon the Drake to their side and share in their awe inspiring power wielded by dragons. Consider how your dragon gained their bond with the Drake. This Drake Warden origin table offers some examples. And so, it goes into you studied a dragon's skull or a claw and trinket from its hoard, or created a bond through token's lingering draconic magic. Uh, A secret order of rangers who collect and guard draconic lore taught you their ways. Uh, A true dragon gave you a drake egg for care. When it hatched, the drake bonded with you. You drank a few drops of dragon blood, forever infusing your nature magic with draconic power. An ancient dragon inscription on a standing stone empowered you when you read it aloud. You had a vivid dream of a mysterious man accompanied by seven yellow canaries. Yes, Canaries, who warned you of the impending doom. When you awoke, your drake was there watching you. So, Draconic Gift, a third-level drake warden. uh, The bond you share with your drake creates a deeper connection to dragonkind, granting you understanding and empowering your presence. You gain the following benefits. You can now read, speak, uh, write, draconic. You learn the thaumaturgy cantrip, which is a ranger spell for you. so, and then Draconic Companion, you can magically summon the Drake bound to you. As an action, you can summon the Drake, which appears in an unoccupied space of your choice that you can see within 30 feet of you. Your Drake is friendly to you and your companions and obeys your commands. You get a nice little stat block here, which is very nice. Um, I will say that some of the scaling and stuff off this is very nice to see. Uh, Drac- uh, the Drake Companion armor class is 14 plus PB, which is natural armor uh hit points is five times your ranger level so it scales with you it grows up um when you summon the drake choose a damage type acid cold fire lightning or poison the chosen type determines the drake's damage immunities the damage of its bite and the damage of its infused strike trait um, which is infused strike when uh, another creature within 30 feet of the drake that it can see hits with a weapon attack the drake infuses the strike with its essence causing the attack to deal an extra 1d6 damage of the type of your draconic essence so now all of a sudden it's kind of a little buffer the magic's around um, I, I like this better in a beastmaster almost instantly um, The drake remains for a number of hours equal to your proficiency bonus until it is reduced to zero hit points, until you use this feature to summon the drake again, or until you die. So that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, it comes back when you need it kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I like that it's magic. I like that it summons you. You know, I think that was one of the things with like the Beastmaster is, cool, you've got this really big bear. Now we're going into this cave and it can't fit. Now we've just taken away half of your ability to fight. Um, so having this be able to, uh, uh, once you summon the drake, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest, unless you expend a spell slot, a first level of higher to summon it. So again, we're seeing this consistent thing of this doesn't mess with your ability throughout the day class ability. If you want to give up something later on to bring it back, you can, um, which I think is great. I, I really like this system that they're doing for this going forward. So.
0: I do too. I like the idea that you can give up something to gain something back. Um we saw that with um well wizards have that ability. The uh what am I think trying to think of where they can give up um I don't remember.
1: <laughs> well, I know I know sorcerers can do that where they sacrifice spells for spell points and spell points for that so they've got right. it back and forth there. Um a lot of this stuff reminds me of paladin smites. You give up a spell slot to do damage. This here's kind of recovering it, but it's in that same vein. Um, again, I, I I like this instantly better than the beast warden. I don't know. I'm not much of a pet class in general, but I know a lot of people that would really enjoy having a dragon pet.
0: Yeah. In fact, you kind of had to create one quickly for some of the people you were playing with online and specifically a Drake companion.
1: Yep. Yeah. This would have been so much easier. (laughs) Uh,
0: I do. I do like the idea that when you summon the Drake, it doesn't always have to be the same one. It can be the the fire drake or the lightning drake or the poison drake. Again, it gives you yeah. that flexibility that we saw with the monk. Um, and even as it goes further on, you know, you have the ability to either a you use the breath weapon or the drake use the breath weapon. And again, you know, you get to choose that that damage type. I like that flexibility.
1: Yeah, and and this thing seems to scale pretty well. So at seventh level, the bond you share with the drake intensifies, protecting you and stoking the drake's fury. You gain resistance to the damage type chosen uh choose one of the following the drake gains a swimming speed of 40 feet and can breathe both air or water or the drake grows wings and can fly so at seventh level you've got a flying dragon buzzing around the battlefield uh the drake's bite attack deals an extra uh, 1d6 damage uh, of the types chosen for your Draconica essence um 11th level drake's breath as an action you can exhale 30-foot cone of damaging breath or cause your drake to do it um 15th so this is at 66 so 11th level you get a little fireball dragon breath uh the damage for this increases at 8d6 when you reach 15th once you finish this feature you can't do so again until you finish a long rest unless you expend a spell slot, a third level of higher to do it again um 15th level uh, perfect bond the drake grows to large size the drake's bite attack deals an extra 1d6 damage of the type for a total of 2d6 and when either you or your drake takes damage or you're within 30 feet of each other, you can use your reaction to give yourself or the drake resistance to that instead. So it's kind of a uncanny dodge um, ability for you or your drake, depending on each other. So I could see this being one of those things of the drake grows to large size, uh, you summon it and has flying. Now all of a sudden, you know, I, I, I could instantly see being an archer flying on the drake, uh, doing its thing. Uh, or if it's in trouble, you land on the ground. You stay within that 30 feet. It tanks for the group while somebody's down. You know, I mean, the the utility of this thing gets pretty tough. Uh, the ability for it to scale is really nice. So,
0: uh, yeah, it's a pretty good UA.
1: Yeah, and then I think it does tie into that some of that stuff of again we had talked about where does this kind of stuff fit in um, with Dragon Lance. I'm curious to see, you know, yeah. in what age of Dragonlance I think would be interesting because the Dragon's time. You know, I again we talk about, you know, even in Forgotten Realms, dragons are kind of past in the, you know, the Dragon Wars are over, that fight with the Elves is done, and Dragonlance you're kind of picking up the, you know I don't know. It it would be like playing a Lord of the Rings game after the war. You know what sure. I mean? Like sure. all the you know, all the cool stuff of the second and third age is over. Like the world is a better place now, don't get me wrong, but if you're an adventure it's like Yeah, I'm never gonna have that, you know. (laughs) I got small stuff. I'm I'm dealing with you know petty stuff compared to what you guys fought—ancient evils and dragons—and
0: I wouldn't mind seeing dragons play a more uh, prevalent role in any of the realms that they play in for D&D. I think dragons are iconic for Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, Jesus, sits in the name, Uh, so I wouldn't mind seeing that, you know having them come back or and maybe there's some i mean we had the cataclysm in dragonlands that was a world altering event um maybe perhaps the dragons are coming back in more force uh because of some sort of event who knows i would speculate because i think we typically get a book in march right
1: i think so and i know they had already announced that they had like three already planned or something like that so
0: So I wonder if we're going to see an announcement near the beginning of the year for Q1 uh, uh, possible setting book. That'd be pretty neat.
1: You know, I think there's a lot of that stuff, too, of uh, like a warlock patron being a dragon. Um, You know, I I think that one's a a pretty natural fit. Uh, I think once we see a paladin one. If it is, yeah. you know, you know, if it's a spear wielding, you know, summit, you know, that type of thing. If we get the legend of Huma or Huma or whatever his name was. Right. Yeah, I you're think right, that was
0: you're it. right. it's Huma.
1: So, you know, if it if it screams that, then I think we'll know pretty much yeah. where we're
0: going. There's so the Knights of yeah, there we're also like Dragon Knights and and like uh, what Stern Bright Blade. And geez, I'm reaching way back at my memory <laughs> here. I
1: haven't read those books in a and, long time. Yeah. So I I think there are a few of those. I I like that they went with the monk and the ranger because when I think of Dragonlance, uh, you know, there is a pretty specific ranger that you think of, but had nothing to do with drakes. So seeing kind of their take on it was pretty cool.
0: So let's jump over to Darrington Press. Uh, This was new for me, but if you if you are a fan of Critical Role, you know the name Darrington. So Critical Role has announced what they are calling Darrington Press. Darrington Press is the name of their new game publishing line. This line will be headed up uh, by friend of Critical Role, Ivan Van Norman, who is the co-owner of Hunters Entertainment. You may recognize the name as, uh, well, Ivan Van Norman's all over the place, especially when it comes to Geek and Sundry. He was involved with Will Wheaton's Tabletop. He's been involved in... Oh gosh, I think it's LA by night as well as other events with critical role. So he's kind of all over um, most specifically though. Um, he has been part of or hunters entertainment is the company that is bringing us the RPG for altered carbon, which is supposedly shipping. I think next month, I believe he's also involved uh, in the werewolf fifth edition game. I could be wrong, but I think that's correct. Uh, anyway, the first game offering for Daring Press is a board game called Uk'otoa. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Fans of Critical Role should recognize this as the ex-patron of the Warlock Ford, who's, of course, played by Travis Willingham. It says the game is suitable for three to five players ages 12 and up. Each game should run 30 to 45 minutes. And, of course, it will include, quote, a very cool Uk'otoa mini. So that's kind of interesting. It says, uh, also slated for 2021 is a critical role adventures board game, a card game called Guardians of Matrimonia, Syndicult, which is an original modern magic RPG designed by Matt Mercer, where mafia families battle over for supremacy of the city streets, which that sounds pretty cool.
1: That's nice to see uh, a bunch of stuff lined up and kind of what they've been working on. Uh, one of the things I saw on the creative team for the Ukitoa, uh created by Jeb Heavens, with additional game design by Gabriel Hicks, who was the one that did the oh, yes. class design thing. So there, yeah. it was nice to see a familiar name and pop up and see him a part of that. So,
0: Yeah, that was a really cool system that he came up with. Ooh, just punched my mic.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: Okay, so yeah, Darrington Press. There is, of course, a link in the show notes for this, as well as the UA that we talked about. So if you want to find out more about Darrington Press or the UA, just check the show notes. There are links in there. Okay, so let's jump over to Onyx Path. Uh, World of Darkness Ghost Hunter has come to a close. The Kickstarter did very well, considering it's not you know one of the main game lines. Uh, they did top 72,000. I think they were asking 20. Onyx Path has tentatively announced their next Kickstarter will be a Scarred Lands mega campaign. Uh, this will likely be their last Kickstarter of 2020. According to a recent update from Onyx Path, the Kickstarter Fulfillment Center, which is something I've been complaining about for the last, oh, I don't know, three months, uh, is getting books shipped. That means those of you who have been waiting for certain books, they came from beneath the sea, should be seeing those ship out over the course of the next couple of weeks. So keep your eye on your email as you will be getting an email update. Now, they did say in that update that those will be going out in waves with the people who just got like the book and didn't get like a the book and the gm screen as well or other add-ons so they're going to send out the books first and then the bigger packages later which excites me because i just got the book (laughs) so hopefully mid-november early december i will be seeing that book let's talk delays which is never fun Um, and i know there was a delay announced for bloodlines 2 if i remember correctly but i couldn't find it soon enough to include it so we're going to go to as we mentioned earlier cyberpunk 2077 Now, this game has been delayed multiple times. uh, And it is, of course, delayed again for 21 days. And we're just going to talk about this. And I want to talk about some of the reaction as well. Uh, So in an announcement that pretty much shocked gaming enthusiasts, Cyberpunk 2077 has been delayed. This time it's being pushed back, like we said, 21 days. What shocks gamers, in my opinion, is that the game had already received gold status, which is usually a solid indicator that the game is done and is ready to launch but something apparently went wrong. Developers of the game have received a ton of death threats because of the decision to delay the game. Now I remember correctly, the reason this is being developed or delayed is they wanted to make sure it launches on all platforms seamlessly. And it's being offered on nine different platforms. So the, the, the whole hope is, is that when they do launch this December 1st, if I remember correctly, is that there isn't a problem that it just goes the way it's supposed to go. Um, what I don't understand is why in the hell wh- what makes people feel so entitled that they feel like they should be delivering death threats to the developers? I mean, quite literally death threats like this is uh, I, I pulled this directly from uh, the lead developers uh, or one of the developers, sorry, uh, Twitter's because he, he shared it on Twitter. And, and this is a direct quote. It says, I know where you live, bro. Release the game or you're finished. Release Cyberpunk, or you and your family will be persecuted. I will burn you alive if you don't release this game. What the actual fuck?
1: Yeah, people are a little uh, too intense. I don't understand. I mean, I'll I'll never understand that there. Uh, I don't get people thinking, like, I mean, hopefully that person gets arrested.
0: Well, right. it, I'm glad you mentioned that because CD project red has decided that they are going to be taking these threats seriously and they will be. investigating them.
1: Yeah. So, people uh, are absolutely insane.
0: People get in trouble for these comments. It's just type comments, time off work. You took time off of work to play world of Warcraft when it came out. Um, and some people weren't able to adjust. Now, I don't know if you've been able to adjust your time off schedule.
1: I was supposed to be out this last week, so I was home anyway.
0: <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Um, you know, and I and I get it. People are frustrated. I deliberately waited to preorder a copy of Cyberpunk with the intent being that I dodged a lot of the um, uh, delays. And I think I what I did it like two or three weeks ago that I preordered it uh, I, And it, as a result of me waiting. I miss getting the deluxe edition, which I'm OK with because, again, I thought I was going to dodge the delays. I would much rather this game be put out correctly and not have to be patched over and over and over, making it so where I can't... Because I could just see people saying, release the game, fine, it's released. Guess what? We're going to have to patch it for the next nine days. And then people throwing the same fit because, oh, you released an imperfect game? Well, yeah, we told you we were going to because you fucking bitched about it.
1: Right. Well, or, you know, we've seen so many games that come out, you try it for a week, it's broken, it's unplayable, people get their refund, and they never come back. And it just ends the game. This game's big enough that that won't happen. But yeah, I I am all for having my privacy on the internet and stuff like that. But I also am not doing anything insane like that. So it, it, it does bring up a lot of those questions of like, I can understand, you know, I mean, if being a hero behind the keyboard is going to be something I see ending very quickly. With this kind of stuff, you know, having that anonymous, I'm a badass or I'm a tough guy, uh, I I can see why people want that to go away.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I sincerely hope that if you are one of the people who have issued death threats to any gaming company, that they take it very seriously and you are prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Yep.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I don't. I mean, it's not like it's food or water. I don't know of anything right. that you need that bad in your life that you need to kill for, right? or right. threaten to kill for or you know, so, yeah,
0: and I think people need to understand that we are living in unprecedented times. We've i mean, as it goes on to say,, uh, Several of the developers for this game are working from home trying to push this game out. And not only are they working from home, they're putting in some of them have logged over 100 hours a week trying to get this game done to the point where it can launch on all these platforms at the same time. That's a hell of a lot of time where people are giving up to get this game done. They're giving up time with their friends, their family, whatever, to make sure that this game is done correctly. And for people to act as childish as they're acting is just, well, reprehensible. Um, And I think there needs to be a lot more understanding that COVID has fucked everything up. We don't know mm-hmm. how, I mean, everybody's still learning how to do these things in the cu- current COVID world. And like we mentioned earlier, countries like Great Britain are looking at shutting down for a few more weeks to stop the overwhelming spread that's going on. So seriously, people calm the fuck down. It's just, yep. it's just ridiculous that anybody is issuing death threats over a goddamn game. Yep. Okay, so <laughs> enough of my soapboxing here. Uh, let's jump over to World of Warcraft. Speaking of delays, no one, do we have any updates on Shadowlands?
1: They did finally announce that they are—they were happy to share that the expansion will be arriving November twenty-third. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the same idea that we kind of talked about earlier of people taking time off, having it be out over Thanksgiving, people already home for break, that kind of stuff. Hopefully, it's kind of one of those things that allows people to not to get to play the way they wanted to play a little bit. Again, a a lot of people like, "Well, there goes my Thanksgiving plans. Or it's like, well, again, in COVID, you probably shouldn't have had too many Thanksgiving plans anyway. Now, again, that's, you know, just one of those things of, yeah, we're staying at home and I know a lot of people will. So it doesn't affect me at all. The interesting thing on this will be to see how they do the rating timeline, because it puts like the mythic world first race. Like, I think it gives them nine days before Christmas to complete oh, wow. the entire ra- you know what i mean so that's going to run right into that christmas time maybe and and again COVID air and stuff like that they may have the the first raid you know kick off after that but it says they've set a december 8th date for opening of our first raid um so that means usually it's a week or two after that the mythic opens up uh, the season starts you know so all that kind of stuff so it, it looks like that 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 major mythic world first race might be right over christmas which could be interesting to see how that affects people as well. Again, most people probably shouldn't be traveling or, you know, if you're in Europe where a lot of those guys are world first racing, they probably can't travel. Which will be interesting to see because usually they all come together um, and play from like a land area, you know, side by side and that kind of stuff. So be curious to see if they do that kind of thing of putting a sports team in the bubble like they did the NBA and NHL. And Sure. So, we'll see. But you know, yeah, we, we we finally got a date and we'll see.
0: So November 23rd is a Monday. And I think it's because usually they do their big updates on a Tuesday. And I think it's interesting sure. number one that they are releasing it on a Monday. And I have to wonder if they're saying, thinking, okay, you know what? Kids are going to be coming home from college at this point. They're going to need something to do because more than likely they're going to be, or they're going to be stuck in their dorm rooms, dorm rooms because they can't travel home. Uh, I know like Wyoming is currently one of the States listed in, I think 26 or 27 other States that if you're coming from Wyoming, you have to quarantine for two weeks, no matter what. So if, you know, if you would live in a state like that, maybe you're not going home for Thanksgiving. Maybe this is actually a really well-timed thing by Blizzard because people are going to be stuck at home.
1: I think uh, some of that, too, is what they're trying to do is do a simultaneous release. And so I think that way, what is it? You know, like we usually watch, like, we'll do the Diablo seasons or something like that. And Europe's usually playing, you know, 12 hours before we are or whatever. So this here puts it in. Uh, November twenty third at three PM PST or November twenty-fourth at twelve AM CET. So I think that I think three PM November twenty-third is technically midnight around the world-ish. So we can have a simultaneous worldwide launch, which again, if I was taking time off, I wouldn't do anything till Wednesday, because there'll be DDoS attacks and slow server logins and that kind of stuff. So so going into it or whatever, I'll play Thanksgiving Day and get caught up. So
0: Well at least we have a date
1: Yeah I'm excited Uh, Something to look forward to Uh, There are a bunch of games coming out soon That I'm excited for That I'm hoping don't kind of hit that same uh, You know release The nice thing is Is now that Cyberpunk is December 10th uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla Which is the Viking one Is November 10th Uh, Godfall I think is around that same time as well Which is a Gearbox uh, Hack and slash skill based game which is the same people that do Borderlands. Um, so it actually might free up some time for me to play a couple of games before <laughs> Cyberpunk comes out, and hopefully I'll be at level cap and all that stuff when Cyberpunk comes out. So the the timing works well for me. Sorry that you felt like you people had to do some death threats out there, but it worked yeah. for me, so I'll send them a thank you card in your stead. So. <laughs>
0: sounds like a plan all right so that is all the news that i could find that so that does bring us to our topic of the week would you like to take a moment and go refill your cup Hey everybody, this is Patrick with 307RPG. And while Nolan and I are off refilling our cups of coffee, I thought this would be a great time to remind you that, you know, when we talk about certain books or certain things that are available on DriveThruRPG, we make sure to include a link to that product on DriveThruRPG. And if you click on that link and purchase that product, we get a little bit of a kickback for it. And those kickbacks help us to buy new products to talk about on this show, or potentially to even buy new equipment to, to use on this show. So those little things help us tremendously. And by using that RPG link, you get the game that you're after, and we get a little help. So don't hesitate to click that link and, and, and give us some love. Well, looks like we're back. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, so our topic of the week is taking a look at Youngman's Guide to Gelspads, specifically part three, and we're going to be mostly focusing, well, I shouldn't say mostly, we will be focusing on the new class options that are available. And and the whole point of this is to show you guys that there is some really neat stuff that's coming out every other month from... um, uh, onyx path when it comes to scarred lands they have a lot of really cool stuff that comes out that can be plucked right out of these books and dropped right into your D 5e campaign because it is all written for D 5e i should also say that it's I'm not mistaken; it's out there for Pathfinder as well, so keep that in mind too. So, if you're not familiar with Youngman's Guide to Gelsbad, it is a multi-part book that is released every other month by Onyx Path. It is headed up by our friend and line developer for Scarred Lands, Travis Leg. Uh, within each section, we learn about the world of Scarn and get to new or and get new character options. Nolan and I have talked at length about Scarred Lands. It is one of our favorite settings for D&D. And again, even if you don't play within the world of Scarn, there's some great Releases great ideas for you to pick up and drop into your D and D five e campaign. Uh, now, Nolan, you are really our wizard when it comes to picking apart these these different classes. So, I'm going to turn over. What is it? The Divine Soul Sorcerer, something like
1: that. We got uh, Spirit Walker. Spirit Walker, yeah. Divine. Sorry, that's something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like Youngman's, uh This one here was Book Three or Part Three. Uh, this one seems to deal with the arcane uh some of the ones that we talked about earlier when they came out we got to see some ranger classes uh i know the next one you know a lot of it seems like it's been like marshals and fighting styles and that kind of stuff of, of uh Skernland's has a good job of having some pretty exotic weapons and kind of given some classes to feature on there so this here seems to be arcane backgrounds it does give you a couple of uh social backgrounds that you can add for your player backgrounds, and again, remember, Scarland is uh, Scar slash Scarlands is a lot darker. Uh, so a lot of the uh, the backgrounds, uh, I don't know, a lot of this screams evil ish, but it is kind of just the world. Um, so one of the backgrounds is a Solarisian descendant. Uh, you were raised among oh, the ages. We've had fun with <laughs> Yeah, as Solarisians were kind of the ancient technology beings, um, and finding remnants of their relics and that kind of stuff is very detrimental to your existence um so let's see here this year you've been uh, inducted into the great secret of their order your birthright the knowledge of the shadow world uh beyond your own so again it's just a background choose from deception arcane religion and stealth remember that in skylands your the world is more deadly so the characters get extra things usually so extra, extra skills, extra proficiencies, uh, they're usually a little bit stronger in that area. Um, feature is umbral affinity. You're linked to the plane of shadow in ways that no one but your brothers and sisters could ever understand. You instinctively know when you see another creature native to the plane of shadow, of slow descent, or who has been in, uh, inducted into the penumbral pentagon, though you do not know which. Uh, you know two contacts from the Numbral Pentagon. Uh, though if you're a deserter, they mean convincing not to kill you. So one background is there. Another one is the Phylacteric Vault. Uh, the flactric Vault oversees the safe and responsible use of magic on Gelsped, which is a long-winded way of saying they're probably the only thing standing between the mages of Gelsped uh, and the Pyre. Uh, Belong to the vault. Comes with responsibilities, like uh, <laughs> subscription fee, but also perks, like access to their resources and laboratories. So this here screams a little bit like the mage police uh, ish. Um, uh, last one is a uh, the Society of Immortals, uh, indulges in deep and primal connection to the necromantic art, seeking an intimate connection to the source of death with a conviction that transcends the religious. They work with their magic in the forest city of Glived Aterel, uh, watched over by the Cretus, the necrotic king. The mysteries of death is a heartbeat of the society. So again, another, uh, I don't know. It, it seems like it's just kind of one of those things of everybody's trying to survive. So these backgrounds and stuff like that, again, you're like, oh, you're a necromancer. Well,
0: kind yeah, of, but.
1: <laughs> you, you're living, so that's a that's a good thing. Um, so, with that there, a couple of more caster based uh, backgrounds, and then the two subclasses that we get out of this one here for one is Sorcerer, and it is the Spirit Walker. A Spirit Walker's innate powers come from the spirit that inhabits the wilds of Scarred Lands. Many Spirit Walkers come from families who tend shrines dedicated to these spirits in an effort to heal the wounded spirit realm following the Titan War. Spirits angered and hurt by the war are appeased in this way, adopting divine and redeemed that show poor or proper respect and love. Some spirit walkers are descendants of the spirits, while others acquire their powers from the proximity of the shrines. Still, a spirit walker rarely emerges from these families more than once in a generation. So this year, as your origin at first level, you choose a spirit guide. A spirit guide is a representation of the facets of the world which you are mystically connected. Be it location, plant, or animal. Your spirit guide is with you the rest of your life and manifests and appears. Uh, it, let's see, it manifests an appearance that reflects their worldly bias, such as uh, cactus creature or talking ball of fire. Only you can see and hear it. Um, opening up the spell list find familiar, find speed, steed, conjure animals, conjure minor elementals, conjure elementals, conjure fae, conjure celestial. So, a big list of summoning of that spirit realm uh the one thing i liked about this one here is your relationship allows you to cast unseen servant at will your spirit guide is more intelligent than an unseen servant and can do more complicated tasks such as cooking food setting up camp on their own setting traps and food checking them spying and reporting on a target within 15 feet but will leave the material plane on their own accord if they are pushed to fight or threatened um so i like you know again it's one of those things of Fun role-playing value uh can happen with this one here too, just from you got the crazy guy from Braveheart that talks to God, you know, or whatever. This person's actually <laughs> yeah. talk, you know, talking to somebody oh, that nobody this else is can my see. Island.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I like the idea that um, oh look, why is he always talking to a cactus? Or or why does he always talk to plants? It's so strange.
1: I I, I, I like that. I thought that was pretty funny. I, I like the idea of a Conjuration uh, Sorcerer. I think that's really cool. I think there's mm-hmm. some opportunities there with uh, some of the sorcerers of um, altering summon Wolves to an extended spell. So it, it lasts so much longer if they don't die. Uh, you're Conjured to Elementals and so I like got getting more out of them. I think is going to be really interesting. Uh, spirit doll as a six level ability Uh, you create a doll that allows you to cast conjure minor elementals without expending a spell slot these elementals function independent of the other summoning spells you cast so now you can have you know conjured animals and conjure minor elementals and you really start to bring in the uh kind of that pet master summoner which i don't we've seen a little bit with the druid circle of shepherds but not so much from the arcane side yet um, you do not need to main, co- maintain concentration on the spell, but the smell spell immediately fails if your spirit doll is destroyed. Uh, so, don't get hit while you do this. Once you use this feature, you cannot use it again until you've performed the doll ceremony, which is an elaborate ritual that requires one uninterrupted hour and may be completed during a short rest or long rest. So, not necessarily the proficiency per long rest per day, but a little bit different where it's not taking your resources to have this class feature so
0: right and i don't think we've seen that proficiency switch like we've been had in D D in Scarflands. No. so they've, people do need to keep that in mind if they're going to incorporate these
1: as i was gonna say they've had a lot of these type of situations though from the start where they're they've been kind of progressive in the idea of fixing 5e to a standpoint like this so there's a lot of these things where it's uh there's a lot of short rest things there's a lot of at rest things there's a lot of different different style of rules that you're not used to necessarily seeing with SCARTlands. Sure. So. Uh, Masters of the Spirit, at 14th level, your connection with the spirit world grows so strong that you combine spirits into temporary one-use dolls. You can create a number of temporary dolls with this feature equal to your Wisdom modifier, which is interesting on a Charisma caster. These dolls use the same AC hit points and rules following your spirit doll. When you create the doll, you must choose Earth, Air, Fire, or Water. You may then use the doll at any time to cast Conjure Elemental, summoning an Elemental of the doll's type. You do not need to maintain concentration on the spell. Uh, The spell immediately ends if the doll is destroyed. Uh, When the spell ends, the doll is turned to ash. Uh, To create a doll using this feature, you must perform a ceremony as described under the spirit doll. So 14th level, you went from minor. Now you're up to uh, major elementals. Nothing says anything about being able to use both of them at the same time. So now you could summon fey summon minor elemental and now summer summon some conjure elementals so i mean you really could really start to bog down the battlefield with a bunch of your army and then just hide in your magical illusion cardboard box off to the side so uh right. 18th level for their capstone uh you gain the ability to walk between worlds this feature functions as though you cast etherealness spell with the following exceptions the duration of this effect lasts an hour uh while you have available duration remaining on this effect you can enter or exit as a bonus action if you die on the ethereal plane you become a ghost once you use this feature you cannot do so again until you complete a long rest so makes it a little bit easier to not get hit if you're stepping in and out of the ethereal plane yeah (laughs) it's uh it's a neat one uh again the conjure animals conjure elementals a couple of them without concentration uh again uh, extending that stuff out could be really good so there's also a wizard subclass so there's a couple is that right yes we got two arcane traditions uh one of them is called the high astrologer uh again this here is very much of the skies of Gelsped, the stars move in a slow and hypnotic odyssey across the night sky Scholars who venture to study the heavens have grouped these uh, movements into constellations or houses, each representing the ethos, concept, or notion. Those who lose themselves in the stars recognize that those forces contain some awareness, a recognition of the mortal world over which they endlessly circle. The casting of spells in alignment with these subtle astral ley lines can produce mesmerizing, if perplexing, results, and the practitioners of this art are called high astrologers. So again, looking at the signs in the sky, uh, when you adopt this tradition at second level, you can use the sympathetic links between all the houses of magic to defend yourself against hostile incantations. As a reaction when another creature you can see casts a spell, you can surround yourself with a sphere of... A uh, magic that glows with the designs that fall of the astrological houses. The creature casting a spell must succeed on a concentration saving throw against your spell casting DC. On a failed save, choose from one of the effects of the synastric magic table and apply the effect to the spell. So on this table is you can redirect, choose a new target for the spell, extinguish, the spell is count- countered, Delay, the spell vanishes and reappears 1d4 rounds later, targeting the same creature, if possible, or the same area effect. And warp, the magic spell is counter. Roll on the wild magic surge table uh, for the caster of the spell. That's Uh, pretty cool. uh, Yeah. So uh, when you use this ability, your eyes and mouth appear ablaze with pure white flame. You must finish a short or long rest before you use this ability again. So a free counter spell, a free, you know, that fireball is coming in. You delay it, move the heck out of the way. Uh, so there's some opportunities there to have some fun, uh, being a counter mage. Yeah, a, a counter-mage. Uh, yeah. So. So
0: I, I really high astrologer. This arcane tradition screams oracle. So, if, for those of you who don't know, Scarlant draws heavily on Greek mythology. is mm. de- definitely thematic in that in that aspect. So when I think of high, this high astrologer, I think about the oracles of. Um, what is it? I can't remember anyway, but I think about the oracles in Greek mythology, about those who could read the stars and and are able to tell the heroes what's going on. And this really screams like that 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 they've pulled that from that
1: concept. Yeah, and, and I think that at, at sixth level, uh, you're going to get an understanding of your place in the cosmos. You spend ten minutes in meditation and conjure a magical dome around you. Uh, in which the movements of the constellations are recorded. Uh, while this fear, you know the exact time of day, all four cardinal directions, how far you are as a crow flies from any destination you are familiar with. You can remain in the dome indefinitely, though maintaining it requires concentration. In addition, you may use this fear to attempt to draw forth information from the stars, allowing you to cast Connect Other Plane as a ritual, requiring no components or additional use of concentration. So again, yeah. like you're saying, reading the future, seeing what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, this whole level thing screams it.
1: Uh, Retrograde, uh, when you use ability, you can target yourself or a creature object you can see within 30 feet. If you use a creature or an object held by a creature, the creature must succeed on a Christmas saving throw. Uh, All targets, resources, and abilities are restored to that point. So uh, you revert uh, in time to their condition and location they occupied at the beginning of your last turn. Uh, This is something that kind of jumped out to me as something you would like because it's almost like a time warp. You know, you you can see something coming, or bad, or whatever. Uh, I don't know. It it would be interesting to see. (laughs) Using this ability on a corpse of a creature that has died since the beginning of your last turn can bring it back to life as if it had not died. If this ability is used on an unintended object, it, it simply works. Uh, you must finish a long rest before using this ability. So again, you see what's coming, uh, you know, your guy's bloody or whatever, you know, something bad's coming, the beholder's staring at your fighter or whatever, you know, you use this ability to, to attack, uh, basically, and then unwind what just happened. So, anyway, yeah, more of this stuff of the stars. Uh, the stars are right. At 14th level, we fully understand the nature of the stars and their relation to one another, allowing you to call upon their combined power. At the start of your turn, you may choose a bonus, Or you may use a bonus action to check if the stars were right. When you do so, roll a d6. On a result of a 6, the stars were indeed right. You enter an astral form in which you glow with ethereal white flame from your hands, face, and feet. While in your astral form, you gain the following benefits. You can use your uh, Systraction Magic feature once per round. You gain a flying speed of 30 feet. You are surrounded by a globe of invulnerability, 4th level. Your astral form lasts for 1 minute, after which you cannot enter it again until you finish a long rest. So you kind of get to go Nova, fourteenth uh, level, not too bad. So again, if you're into the stars Cabo. and that kind of stuff, it seems pretty neat. Uh, again, not something that I would necessarily play, just from that standpoint. But I can see again in that world, the uh, the role play behind it, uh, it would be a lot of fun. Uh, the last one is the Vigilant Arcanist, the Vigils of Vesh. A society of wanderers, Galsped, putting the world to right, invest in both Martial and Arcane might to better meet their ends. Uh, the latter of these facets, better known as the Vigilus Arcanus, are far from the typical understanding of the wizard or enchanter. Instead, these hardened veterans channeled their scholarship into endurance, survival, and wilds lore. Uh, so instantly as the bladesinger and me, I'm I'm down, I'm in, I don't even need to read anymore, you've got me. So Uh, The Vichian Arts. Beginning when you select this tradition at second level, whenever you gain a wizard level, you can replace one of the wizard spells you had in your spellbook with a ranger spell. The spell must be of level, which you can use in a spell slot. Any ranger spell you gain from this feature is considered a wizard spell for you, but other wizards can't copy ranger spells from your spellbook into their own spellbooks. Word of the Wild. At second level, you can fuel yourself with magic, maintaining a nigh superhuman level of stamina and energy. You can expend a spell slot to utilize one of the following abilities. To allow you and up to 10 humanoids within 100 feet of you travel for longer each day without taking a forced march. You gain an extra hour in this way per level of the spell slot used. You can go without sleep. For each level of spell slot expended, you may remain awake for an extra hour at night with none of the usual consequences. You cannot benefit from a long rest while using this ability to replace food and water. For each level of spell slot expended, you may travel a day without food or water without risking exhaustion. Multiple use to this, of this ability do not stack. Uh, kind of a neat little way to use your spells. Uh, eyes and ears. At sixth level you learn the fine familiar spell. If you do not already know it, when you cast a spell you can summon a number of familiars equal to one plus half your wizard level rounded down. Each familiar uses the same rules and options for a familiar conjured by the fine familiar spell. All familiars conjured by this spell must be fey creatures. So we've talked about I always thought the druids should get fine familiars free because that way you're not using your spell slots or your, your wild shape to scout. Now all of a sudden, one plus half your wizard level down of a flock of crows, you know, Sauron style, a 20th level summoning, you know, 11 crows to go scout. You know, it's, it's, it's it screams of that kind of, of thing there. It, it's very druid-esque. Um, tenth level, your ability to endure hardship reaches new heights. You gain advantage on saving throws and ability checks when the results of failure would include any level of exhaustion and at 14th level your magic allows you to draw out uh courage at the will and the will to carry on in others you can use an action to call out words of encouragement laced with magic to inspire and uh uh inspire your allies when all seems lost you use this ability number of friendly creatures equal to your intelligence modifier minimum one that can see or hear you can use their reaction to make a new saving throw against any ongoing condition curse or detrimental effect currently active on them Creatures can even make new saving throws against conditions they are not aware of, they are afflicted by. Once you use this ability, you cannot use it again until you finish a long rest. Lots of neat fluff in there. I don't know if any of it is very good. Just because it's, you know, again, I think it depends on your campaign. Uh, I would agree. This is, some of the stuff here screams of... You know if you were to do maybe a ranger wizard multi-class you know a couple of levels in there of using magic um some of this stuff screams gandalf to me honestly right. you know mm-hmm. you know a lot of his magic was about inspiring others or keeping them going when they didn't know they could or getting that extra information from the butterflies or the monarch you know the moth or whatever it was or the eagles you know that, that kind of stuff so again would i rather be able to shape spells around uh people when i'm dropping fireballs on them like an evoker would i rather have the resistance you know i, I think a lot of that stuff is better um just because a lot of this stuff could be situational uh you know for me on this here when i first read some of that stuff i was like okay we're gonna get a nature blade singer and that's what i was getting pretty excited about I was like okay what's going to be the combat art for this one here you know and there, there really is very little in there for combat uh, second level, you can march, not eat food, and not sleep. That's very handy in the right campaign and completely useless in another one. So, I don't know. Some some cool ideas. I, I, and at the end of the day, you're still a wizard. So, I mean, even if the, yeah. <laughs> the, the extra fluff isn't for you or whatever, you've got that kind of stuff at the end of the day, you're still a wizard.
0: So I, I do want to talk a little bit about Youngman's Guide to Galespad overall. Again, you and I have talked at length about Scarlands. We both like Scarlands. It's something we enjoy playing in. And I, I, I want other people to understand, or or even Onyx Path, it's not like they're just a group of, you know, blowhards who are just throwing content out there. These are, you know, extremely talented... Wow, my phone just activated. Shut up. No. <laughs> These are extremely talented writers who have tons and tons of of projects to their credit Mm -hmm. um in fact i was just kind of looking because i know like we've when we played vengeance of the shunned a lot of these writers i recognize uh, most specifically obviously travis but celeste conowich celeste was one of the writers for uh rhyme and the frost maiden so these are not people every one of these writers and i'm just going to mention them real quick as I scroll back up here. So this one in particular is written by Chris Pissett, Oliver Clegg, Celeste Conowich, Beatrice T. Diaz, Lewis Harris, Jeremy Holcalter, Megan Mackey, Jessica Ross, and, and Christopher Walls, and developed by Travis Legge. Again, these are well-established RPG writers who have some fantastic titles to their credit. These folks know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. They, they understand these games, and they're putting out material that absolutely will flow with your dungeons and dragons games These
1: it's very very well done you know i think the interesting thing for me is uh a lot of these subclasses hit a lot of those things too and i think once you have um you know once we see all of these i'd like to go through and just look at you know by the time it's done you're going to have 15 different monk subclasses that you could take a look at and at that point it gets one of those things of when the PHB comes out, and you look at you know Champion, Eldritch Knight, and Battlemaster, Battlemaster is better than all of them, right out of the gate. I mean, it just it, it's consistently better. Um, and then all of a sudden, you bring in new spells from uh, uh, the Beholder one, whatever gave a Shadow Blade. Oh, an Eldritch Knight. Yeah, Xanathar's. Now all of a sudden, you know, Eldritch Knight kind of okay a Shadowblade blade Eldritch knight is pretty darn scary that's a that's a build in itself and it brings it kind of in line champions still down a little bit you get a magical item that comes in or something like that and it fixes it here you know there's so many options and they're so very specific of i you know if you have the opportunity to compare them side by side you know it's one of those things well i might get more use out of this but as far as themes go and that kind of stuff you know, uh, and I, A star reader versus a nature wizard you know i I don't think you start looking at innate power at that point it's more of again role-playing um we've got another Gelsped one that we get to talk about here coming up but one of them is a barbarian path that is an archer um all of a sudden now we're taking out that multi-classing ability uh we got a dragon knight uh that's dealing with a mount and a spear and it's very focused on it uh, there's a monk that's way of the sacred chain now you've got that chain fighter that you weren't able to do before and again it doesn't matter if you know now we're looking at you know uh a, a shadow monk versus a sacred chain monk well they're they're so different that it doesn't have anything to do with each other you know what i mean they, they're really hard to compare each other because it the subclass gets a lot more focused in a direction of that's what I want to play. I don't have to multi-class now, you know, I don't have to pick up a couple levels of fighter to become an archer on my barbarian. Now I've got it built in. And I don't, I don't care that you're a bear barbarian because I'm doing my own thing over here. And I think as you see more of these subclasses, uh, it, it, you quit looking at, well, this one compared to this one isn't no comparison because this one's really bad or, you know, four elements versus shadow is really tough. Well, now we see, you know, this, this dragon monk, you know, well, it's just so thematic in its own thing. I don't really care what the shadow's doing anymore, you know. And so, that's that's kind of where I'm at with this here. The, the compendium of subclasses is huge. Not every single one screams to me, but they're so different that it's like, well, I could make a build around this and not, you know, and not care what the other wizard is doing, you know. And I don't know if there's, uh, I don't know if there's a a system right now with. Just looking at D&D, where you get that, you know, Hexblade is so strong that it's going to be a while before anything compares to that, you know. Uh, but with Scarredlands, this stuff is so specific that it's not this blanket power of just saying, well, this is just going to be the new best thing, like a Hexblade. These are just like, we don't care what the Hexblade's doing. This is a Genie Warlock, and if you're into that sort of thing, that, you know, you don't care about the Hexblade anymore. And I like that. I like this focus thing. So i'm excited for the next one we talk about with the the archer barbarian <laughs> yeah so, so angry that i get to shoot arrows i can't wait to see it
0: <laughs> angrily fire my bow um and, and of course we jumped right to part three uh I, I think this is the
1: newest one out um and i may be wrong actually i think i think it's yep. actually up to part five now yep. so you sent me over a part five one that came out um They've got another book that Frostlands of Fenerick has a few classes in it that deal with the theme there. And I know we talked about one and two when they first came out as well. So they're back there as well.
0: Mm -hmm. So we are going to be spending probably most of November talking about Scarredlands or new games as they come out, because like Nolan said, there's a lot of stuff coming out this November. We will be looking at Tasha's uh, at some point this month as well. So we've, we've got some stuff planned for this month. So hang with us. That's for sure. Nolan, we have gone way over time, my friend.
1: I know I think that's uh again there's been enough stuff coming out that it's a lot to talk to and there's been some deep dive stuff too so
0: yeah absolutely so I, you know as always folks if you want to get a hold of us you can find us at all the social medias at 307 rpg uh, you can always pop into uh Twitter and and find out our Discord. We are moving forward with getting this all done on video for Twitch as well as YouTube. So hopefully soon we'll be doing the podcast live, so you can actually come in and chat with us on our Twitch channel as we're doing the show. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you and, and look forward to hearing um, ideas that you may have. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff planned for the rest of the year as as well as moving into twenty twenty one. So hang with us; it's going to be a fun ride.
1: Yep. I'm looking forward well, to
0: cool. it. cool. That is all for this week. Unless you have anything else you need to add? I don't. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Bye.